Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. Here at Emmanuel Church, we believe that God wants to meet us where we're at. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can listen to the message from our Sunday worship experience. We would love for you to stay connected with us by visiting our website at myemmanuelchurch.com or at any social media platform at myemmanuelchurch. We hope you enjoy this message. joining us here this morning. Uh, You can take a seat. If you are here with us online, watching for the first time, if you're here with us for the first time, thanks for joining us. I am Pastor Gabe, and my wife and I, Lajinska, have the honor of pastoring here at Emmanuel Church. And um, we're so glad you're with us. And if you were with us, uh, joining us today... We are in week two of our series called People Matter. Uh, People Matter. And I have had a lot of, uh, you know, there's been a lot of time, uh, there's been a lot of time recently where there's a lot of stuff going on in the world and in our nation where it's making us think and try to wonder what should we do, what should we uh, be a part of. Uh, what actions do we take from here? There are questions that we're asking, and this series hopes to answer that. Last week, I spoke about how we are created in the image of God, and that is every single person, no matter where you're from, no matter what you look like, feel like, how much money you got, how how, how rich you are, how poor you are, uh, it doesn't matter. We are all created in the image of God, and as such, we are deserving, and every person in this planet is deserving and has the right to experience the love of God and to be treated with love because that's how God would treat us you know and that 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 is that is so important for us to understand and as we move forward uh, we we are moving from that place to understand that people matter because we are his children we are created in his image and the message the title of my message today is don't pass by don't pass by. And I'm going to share a famous story. A lot of people know it. Even people that are not Christians are aware of the idea behind the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, people who are not Christians, you hear the story. It's like, oh, someone's a Good Samaritan. What does that mean? They've intervened in a situation where they're seen as the good guy. They're the hero, the one that intervenes. And so I'm going to get to that in a second. But before we get into the Bible, I'm going to share a little story. It's a little funny story. So I was at Whataburger the other night. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I I know that if you're watching online and you're not from Texas, you, you're going to have a fight with anybody that says that Whataburger is not that great. Honestly, I'm from Texas. I think it's all right. It's not, it's not, it's not amazing, but it's good. It's good. Don't fight me. I, I'm not here to fight about Whataburger. But I was there in the line and we were ordering food and, you know, I know that fast food isn't great for you and... If you follow me on social media, you know I put a lot of stuff about me working out. But still, I, I, I know that fast food isn't good for you. But I know that occasionally you got, you got to satisfy the urge, you know. So we're there in line. And I saw someone around the back of the restaurant. And, you know, I, I just assumed that, that there was someone that worked there. Because, you know, you see sometimes people coming out of the restaurants, throwing trash away, doing whatever they need to do. You know, when I worked at Chick-fil-A in the past, I was one of those people. I would go out to the back and take out the trash and things like that. And that's what I, what I thought. I thought this person was that. And as I passed by, 
I passed by and we were driving up and I was just like, man, I'm already hungry. I want to get to the window. I want to pay and I want to get my food already so we can go back home and eat. Um, but as we passed him by, had already passed him by and I caught a glimpse of him at, at, out of the side of my eye, out of the corner of my eye. And I saw that this wasn't an employee of Whataburger. He was, he was homeless. And he was standing next to the line at Whataburger, hoping probably that someone would have some grace on him for a second and give him some money or give him some food. And you don't stand next to a restaurant if you're not hungry. You know, he was there looking for something, looking for someone to, to show him some pity, even some grace, some mercy, some love. And. I felt so bad in that moment because I'm like, here I am just driving by, trying to get my food, trying to get home, concerned about my own hunger when there is someone here that is in need. And I I wish I could tell you that I went back and I gave him some money. I didn't. I went home. (laughs) I went home and I ate. And I thought about it. And when I was at home, I thought about it. And I was like, that was a missed opportunity there to share God's love with someone who, who may have not known Jesus. And I just pushed him to the side. You know, and I share this story of my own failing because we, we fail. I, I'm not perfect. And I, in this moment, I failed. And I, I failed to take into consideration somebody else because that's what we often do we fail to take other people into consideration and we pass them by you can't we've all done it you know stopping at a stoplight refusing to make eye contact with someone that's homeless on the side of the road looking for money We've all done stuff like that. We've all seen people maybe hurting. You know, I've seen sometimes back in high school, I used to see people sometimes they were just crying by themselves. And I sometimes I did nothing about it. And I felt bad. I felt guilty about it. And but we do that because we consider ourselves first. We consider and think, am I going to be comfortable? Am I ready for this situation? Do I want to do this? I don't really want to do this because, you know, we don't want to. We, we, we're more concerned about our comfort and our well-being, our image and everything else, rather than taking other people into consideration. But the Bible tells us that we are supposed to be different. We're supposed to do otherwise. We are called to love people. And, and being a Christian, we are called to do more. But a lot of times we are so focused on ourselves that we end up doing the bare minimum and we still call ourselves a Christian. What is that? The bare minimum? Well, you know, we pray. Not Maybe not even all the time. <laughs> so we're not, we don't pray every day. We, uh, you know, once a week, maybe when I'm at church, we read the Bible. If we notice the notification for the Bible app on our phone. Uh, it, we maybe... Sometimes, some of us, we haven't opened our physical Bibles in a long time, and it just sits there gathering dust on a bookshelf. Sometimes we go, we go to church or we watch online and we're like, this is, this is me being a Christian. This is the bare minimum. And that's what it is. It's the bare minimum to call yourself a Christian, to believe in Jesus and pray and read the Bible and go to church. Those are, those are, that's minimum requirements, you know? Like every job has, like when you apply for a job, they always tell you the requirements, basic requirements. You know, you have to be a certain age. You have to have this. You have to have that. And those are 
usually minimum requirements. And that's what we do. We, we live our lives in the bare minimum of it means to be a Christian. But Jesus told us we're supposed to do more. And so we're going to look in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 35 to 37. And this is the story that Jesus shares of the Good Samaritan and a little bit background of what's going on there. So starting in verse 25, he says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I have a feeling that this guy was present at another time when Jesus was answering a question to other teachers of the law. They said, what is the greatest commandment? And this is what Jesus said. This is how Jesus responded. So this guy was like, okay, I'm going to respond how Jesus responded, and let's see what he says from there. So he's trying to test Jesus, and Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... As he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn to take care of him. The next day, he took out two, two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So Father, I just ask right now in this moment that you would let us hear your word. Let us, let us understand it and let it change us today. Amen. Amen. So... A little bit, uh, just before I get into my points today, a little bit about the story. So I like this story. It's interesting. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of characters. Uh, you have the three characters in the, G- in the story that Jesus tells. And then you have the characters in the story of Jesus and the, uh, the teacher of the law. The, uh, the background of the story is that this man is trying to trick Jesus and trying to justify himself. He is trying to prove that he has done the bare minimum. He has done the bare minimum of loving God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind. And then he says that he loves people. He says, I love my neighbor. He says all of that. And he tells Jesus, now, so Jesus, tell me, who's my neighbor? Because he wanted to justify himself. He wanted it to be known that he loved the people who were like him. He loved the other teachers of the law. He loved other Jewish people. He loved the, the people that he was supposed to love because they were his brethren. They were, they were the people that were in it with him. He loved those people. And so he said, 
surely these people are my neighbor. And if I ask Jesus who is my neighbor, I'm going to justify myself. I'm going to come out of this looking good. I'm going to come out of this, at the end of this, looking good. And basically to spite him, Jesus tells a story. You know, I don't know if you know anybody that answers questions with questions, but that's all Jesus did in this interaction. Like he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do you think? What do you know about this? And he's like, okay. And so he tells him his answer and he says, all right, well, who is my neighbor? So let me tell you a story. You know, that's how Jesus was. That's how he reacted to things because he knew that this man knew more than he was letting on. He knew that he was probably in the wrong, but he wanted to feel good about himself because he was doing what he was supposed to do. And so he, and so he wanted to test Jesus And this story, the story that Jesus tells is a story about compassion. It's a story about racial prejudice. It's a story about love. It's a story about action. Because there's, there's so much going on here. To start off, we're, we enter into the story knowing that the Jewish people that Jesus is talking to are called the people of God. And to the Jewish people, there was a race of people that they hated. They despised. The Samaritans. They were half Jewish, part Jewish. But because they had intermarried with other people, they saw them as lesser. They saw them as impure. And so that, that's an even, like, even more of a blow to the people listening to the story because the religious leader said, obviously I'm justified in hating these people because they have done wrong. They have done wrong, so I should not use them as a character in my stories, in my teachings, or to tell anybody that these people are good. But Jesus goes and makes him the hero of his story. And he says, the Samaritan, the one that you hate, is the one who showed love, is the one who was a neighbor to others. And you can see it, you can see it. In this story, the spite that the religious leader has over this story. Because at the end, he won't even call him the Samaritan. Jesus called him, there was a Samaritan. And he says, so who was the one that showed his neighbor love? And the guy says, well, you know, that guy. The one that, you know, helped him. He wouldn't even call, he wouldn't even say it. He wouldn't let the word pass from his lips. So this story is packed with so much uh, that we can learn from ourselves. You know, I've preached on this message, uh, this story before. And there's a lot you can see. There's a lot you can see in, uh, you can put yourself into the story and say, am I the priest? Am I the Levite? Am I being the Samaritan? Am I loving people as I should? But a lot of times, what we don't look at is the circumstances surrounding it. He says, What we want to do is often, like I said, do the bare minimum. My first point is this. The bare minimum is this. When we seek to do the bare minimum as believers, our faith is more about what we want in life than it is about what we have been called to do. Our faith is that. It's about more about what we want. The priest and the Levite, that's what they were concerned about in the story. They were concerned about looking good. The teacher of the law was concerned about looking good in front of other people. The priest and the Levite in the story most likely didn't want to try and touch this guy. Because according to the law, if you are a priest or if you are in the priesthood, you're not supposed to touch a dead body. 
Like that makes you unclean and impure, ritually. You can always, you, you literally can always take a bath <laughs> and then go pray. And, that, and that, that's what it says. Like to, to become clean again, you would wash yourself. But they didn't even want to be bothered to think that they could do something to help this man without ruining their image. It's like, well, I need to keep my clothes clean. What if I touch him in my robes, they get dirty. What if I touch him and my hands, they end up with blood on them? What if I, what if I do that and someone sees me? God forbid someone sees me doing something nice for somebody else. And they might think that I am impure and unclean. They were concerned with their image and what people thought of them. And I, that is one of the reasons I believe as Christians, we often do the bare minimum. We make our faith, and you've, you've certainly heard it. We say, well, my faith is between me and God. My faith is personal. My faith is private. Or perhaps you've been told that by someone else. When you're talking to them about God and you're telling them and you're posting stuff. And say, well, you know, you should keep your faith between you and God. What happens is that it becomes private, but it becomes the bare minimum. We, we don't want to look bad in front of everybody else. We want to fit in. We don't want people to know, so we keep it private. We keep it to ourselves and our faith. It's supposed to, following Jesus is supposed to help us be people that influence the world around us. But we cannot do that if we're more concerned about how we look to other people. We can't. We just can't. We become obsessed with our image. You know, that's what social media is all about. We can become obsessed with image without looking good. I saw a tweet just yesterday that was talk, uh, there was a, a couple of women in the picture. And she was sharing her story. And she says, this picture doesn't share the story. She says, in this picture, there are two women and they looked like they were smiling. And they looked like they were happy. And she said, this picture doesn't tell the whole story. We took this picture and we posted this picture. But the, the truth behind the picture is that I was hungover. The truth behind this picture is that I was about to get even more drunk. The truth behind this picture is I was about to ruin everyone's day. And I was going to hit rock bottom that day. That's the truth behind the picture. But you don't see that. We don't see that. But we're concerned with how people see us. So we put the best in front of everybody. Even if it means hiding things that are important to us. Are not, are not wanting to make noise. You know, especially in this climate right now, some of us might be afraid, and I was at the very beginning, to say anything or to post anything online about what was going on because I was like, well, what if people don't like me? <laughs> what, if, what if people get upset? What if, you know, I, you know, people are concerned with losing followers or losing friends, you know? And, and it really, that, none of that really matters. In the long run, it doesn't matter. When we... Give in to looking good in front of other people. We miss opportunities to fulfill the calling that God has on our life. We miss opportunities to love people. We miss opportunities because we're so concerned with being right or being wrong or supporting a particular pol political party or whatever. We're so concerned with these things that we miss opportunities to show people that they matter. We show To show them that they matter. So my second point is this. We say that we love people. This man was saying that he loved people. My second point is this. Love is demonstrated through actions. We cannot simply say we love people and do nothing. That's what the Levite and the priest did. 
They, they, and he was, they, those, those characters in the story were images of the man who was talking to Jesus. And he said, you say you love people. You want to be justified that you're doing the right thing. You want to be justified that you're showing love. But it's all lip service. You know? It's all lip service. It's easy to lo- say you love something. It's easy to say you love something. L- listen to that. How many people love a certain TV show? Your favorite TV show? Come on. Dessert. Ice cream. Movies. You know, it's easy to love things. We love our pets. But, but it's harder to say we love people. But we still do it, you know? And, and as Christians, I've often heard it's like, well, you know, I love them in the love of the Lord, which really means I don't like them. <laughs> but I love them in the love of the Lord. It's almost like a sarcastic comment, you know? I, I, I like, I don't, I don't really like them, but I'll love them. I'll pray for them. You know, because the Bible tells us to pray for our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us. And, you know, that's okay. It's, it's hard to love people, but it's okay. You know, sometimes we don't like everybody and everybody doesn't like us. That's just the way life is. But it's easy to say it, though. It's real easy to say it. You know, you can say, well, I don't like them, but I'll love them in God's love. Okay, how are you going to do that? Because love is demonstrated through action. Love without action is just emptiness. Love without action is just lip service. That's all it is. It's not going to get us anywhere and it's not going to get people to believe that we actually love them. It's not. It won't. People won't believe you. And in fact, in fact, there is so much more to it. You know, because Jesus told, in one verse Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. What does that mean? Well, he's telling us to love people. Do what I do. Reach out to people who no one else wants to reach out to. Reach out to people who, who, who are on the fringes of society. Reach out to people, to the, to, to the ones that people hate. Reach out to the ones that, that are hurting, that are broken, that have no voice, that are suffering, that are facing injustice. Reach out to those people. And that, that's more than just saying, I stand with you. Because it's easy to put retweet. It's easy to put share. It's easy to like a picture and say, oh yeah, you know, I am supporting what is going on here. But it's harder to say I'm going to commit and I'm going to donate to these causes. It's harder to commit and say that I'm going to show up and be there for the people that are suffering, that, that need help. In fact, the Bible tells us that you cannot say you love God. And then by your actions, show that you hate people. In 1 John 4.20, it says, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. That's how strong the Bible is telling us. You can say you love God, but if you're out here spreading hate, putting things on social media and stuff that are hateful to people, saying things behind people's backs... If it's easy for it to say, well, I love you, and then speak negatively the moment later when they walk away. It says, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Because we can claim that we love God. But if we're not doing anything to demonstrate that love to the people that are right in front of us, the people in our family, the people in our neighborhood, in our cities, in our jobs, the people that are suffering, that we know are suffering, we can say that we love God, but our actions will prove us a liar. And it's not just public actions either. Because that's easy too. It's easy 
to put on a face. It's easy to come to church, smile, raise your hand, sing the songs. And then not really want to be involved with anybody here. It's easy to post a picture of you at church. It's easy, uh, you know, you know, people post mirror pics about being at church on, on Sundays all the time. It's like Sunday's best. You know, I'm not criticizing anybody for that. If you do, you do. That's cool. Do you. But it's easy to do those things. It, it's easy. But what are your actions behind it? What are you looking for? Because it's easy to take a picture holding up a Bible, but then spread hate. It's easy to, to say that you love somebody, but then never want anything to do with them. It's really easy. Because it's not just our public actions, it's our private actions too. We can say that we love God, but if we're over here thinking to ourselves inside of our hearts, we've already judged ourselves in front of God. And he calls us, a liar because we do not truly love God and right now it's easy to let our actions be for show I saw a tweet the other day that like convicted me because it said right now a lot of people with what is going on in our country have a mission trip mentality and if you don't know what that is that is taking your pictures to look good and show everybody on social media look what I did I was at the protests. I was in this country. I did this. And walk away unchanged from those situations. Walk away without actually contributing to those situations and say, I was there. But what did you do? What did we do? Our actions demonstrate love. Our actions demonstrate love. Are we supporting those who need support? Are we actually giving voice to people who, who they won't listen to? Look, you know, I'm Latino, but I am white. I'm pale. And I have often been mistaken for, for, for being white. You know, it, it, I, I never fit in anywhere. Like the Latinos think I'm white and then white people think I'm Latino. Like I, no one wants me. <laughs> but we, we it, it's real easy for me to be mistaken as a white person and sometimes that means I might have to use that if I can to stand in front of people who are being hurt because of the color of their skin to speak for those who are who 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 won't be heard those are our actions because it's easy to take a picture it's easy to share the black square it's easy to to click like but it's not always easy to say I'm going to follow through but we have to My third point, we must follow through, going deeper than surface level of we are to be truly invested in other people. The Samaritan in the story, he did all of that. The Bible says that the the story that Jesus said, he said he cared for the man's wounds. He poured wine, he poured oil on them to be a disinfectant. He wrapped this man's wound, he carried him to the inn. He cared for him. In the moment that he needed it. But it's more than caring for it. Because that, you know, I can say, I, like, I, like I said, it's easy to say, oh, I care. I do care. You know, I'm, I, I know it's hard to take the next step. But we need to take the next step. The next step is to be there for them. Like, the, this man stayed the night with this man in the inn. He stayed there and he said, I'm going to make sure that he's okay. Make sure that he is going to wake up. Make sure that he has what he needs right now. We need to stay it through. The first step is caring, but the second step is staying. 
It's because, like I said, it's easy to retweet or whatever, do all of that on social media. But are you going to stay in the moment for the people that need you? And not just in this current situation, but for people that are suffering, for people that have, are, are, are struggling with family issues, for struggling with addiction, for struggling with, with sin in their lives. Are we going to stay there for them? And are we going to follow through? Because the last part of the story, I think we often ignore it like I did. I, I often didn't really even realize this was part of the story. You know, he says, the, the, Jesus tells the story and he says, here, here's some money. Take care of this man for a couple of nights. And if there's any other expenses, you know, I'm going to pay you. But that's the thing we don't really think about. Because he says, right there, he says, when I return, his consideration was not that Okay, now my hands are free. I've given him money and maybe I'll pay this guy back if I stop way on the way back. No, he says, when I return, he made a decision to say, I'm going to go all the way through. I'm going to come back and I'm going to check on him again. I'm going to come back and make sure that all of the effort that I'm putting in doesn't go to waste. I need him to know that he is cared for. He may be a Jewish man and he might not even like me when he wakes up realizing that I'm a Samaritan. But I want him to know that I did what I needed to do. I know I needed him to know that I loved him because that is what God requires of me. That's because I, he is a fellow human being made in God's image just like me. And he deserves that. He deserves to be loved. He deserves to have someone stay by his side. That is what we need to do in these moments, in moments of difficulty, when we see people suffering, when we see people going through injustice, when we see people that need help. We need to stand with them. A a lot of churches and a lot of Christians are content with leading people up to the point where they say, well, now I follow Jesus. Great, you're on your own. No, we need to follow through. Be a church that will say, no, you're not on your own. I'm going to walk arms locked with you on this new journey of life. When you struggle, I struggle. When you cry, I'm going to cry. When you fall down, I'm going to pick you up. When I fall down, you'll pick me up. Because we are in this together. Each and every single one of us needs to realize that we cannot just be surface level. We cannot pass by anymore. The church, we are in a position in this world right now where a lot of times the church is looked down on because it has been silent through a lot. And sometimes it's not been silent, but it's been on the wrong side. And so they've passed by, like the people in the story that Jesus told. We've passed by on the other side. Either because of our silence or because we are trying to justify ourselves. We pass by on the other side. We need to not pass by any longer. And I'm about to finish here. We need to not pass by anymore. Don't pass by. God is telling us today, church, don't pass by. Stop. Care. Through your actions, show love and follow through. Be the hope that this world needs because there is a lot of darkness around us right now. There is a lot of, uh, uh, there is a lack of hope in this world right now. There is a lack of love in this world right now. But we need to be able to stand and show people the love of Jesus that they are so deserving of. Would you stand with me this afternoon? 
as always, I'm going to pray two prayers. For those who do not know Jesus, and, and maybe you're watching online, uh, or maybe it's been a long time, and you've said, you know, Jesus, I, I used to go to church, I used to be there, and I used to, I used to know the things, you know, but I haven't lived that way in a very long time. I've kind of ignored God. This is for you too. He is here. The one who told the story, he told the story of the Good Samaritan, but Jesus is the ultimate Good Samaritan. He is the one that stops by, carries us through, follows through, and stays with us every step of the way. He is the one that not only will pick us up after we've been beaten, after we've been messed up, after we've been hurt, after we've been broken, but he is the one who literally gives his life for us. He stands in the gap and said, my life was given so that you can have a second chance today. So that you can have a second chance today. And if that's you, he is here for you. And the second prayer, of course, I'm going to pray for us as a church, for those of us who are believers, and to just ask God, forgive us, help us to not be passerbys anymore. Help us to be involved in what you're doing in this world just like you wanted us to be. So if you need Jesus today, I want everybody here to close their eyes, bow their heads. And if you're at home, do the same with me. And if you need that new life today, a second chance, you just lift up your hand. doesn't matter if anybody sees you. Remember, don't matter. It's about God right here in this moment. And I'm going to pray for you. And you pray with me this prayer. Jesus, I need you. I need a second chance. I need your life. I want to know your love. So here I am. Here is my life. I give it to you. Father, we pray for those who may have prayed that prayer today. And we want to let them know that we are on their side. We are with them. We are standing with them. We are praying with them. Whatever their suffering might be, whatever they feel their past might be, that might separate them from that. No, in the name of Jesus, right now, they are a new creation. They are made new. Whether this is whether this is the first time or they are making a decision again, God, it doesn't matter. You are here and you are making them new again today. So let them know they will be surrounded in prayer, surrounded in love by this church, God. We love you and we thank you. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we prayed for you. Welcome. Welcome to the family. But I want to pray for those who are believers right now. And I'll pray that we will not pass by anymore. God, in the name of Jesus, let us not be passerbys anymore. It's time for the church to stop being silent. It's time for the church to stop being on the wrong side of things, God. That we would stand with you in love. That we would stand with those who are facing injustice in love, God. We would, we would stand with those who are hurting, who are broken, who are struggling with addiction, God. Who are struggling with suicide thoughts, God. Who are struggling with mental health, God. Who are struggling with so much right now that we would stand with them. No longer will we be silent. No longer will we pass by, God. Help us to do that because it's easy for us to think first of ourselves. Help us to remind, help and remind us, God, that we are not most important here. You are. 
And you have given us a calling to, to cry with those who are mourning, to help those who are fallen down, to love those who are hurting and broken, God. Help us be the church today to a world that needs you. We hope you enjoyed the message today. And we would love to hear the story about how God is using this ministry to change your life. You can share it with us at myemmanuelchurch.com slash mystory. And if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can give online at myemmanuelchurch.com slash give. And if you're in the Houston area, we would love to see you on Sundays at 1130 a.m. Have a blessed week.